0: pretty unique subject that seems like it ought to be a slam dunk, but I'm calling it God is all you need him to be. God is all you need him to be. And so people would say, well, everybody knows that. God can do anything. Well, we know that's not true. He can't lie. He can't do anything contrary to his word. He, he's, uh, he's honest. And, but uh, if we believe that, if we believe that God is all I need him to be, we would have a different attitude about life. We'd be fearless. Wouldn't you be fearless if you knew that everything I'm facing and everything that that I'm called to do or or could come on me, God's already got it. And so we wouldn't worry. And if we didn't worry, then we'd get in faith, we'd stay in faith, and we'd get a lot more done. But I, I find most Christians leave a part of their life on hold as a contingency in case things don't work out, and uh, they're always ready for something that they didn't expect. Uh, the, the, our air conditioner seemingly went out this morning. Uh, we we heard it through the wall. How about that? Drinking coffee, and all of a sudden this grinding. Look, it sounded like a tank with its tracks coming up the hill, and it's so we had an opportunity there to run for the hills or to. To move in with y'all this afternoon. (laughs) Can I bring my laundry with me? And uh, how far can I take this? So if you would turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. I want to talk about God is all I need him to be. Now this is the New Testament version of this. But if we were to study in Genesis where... uh, uh, El Shaddai is introduced. I, I believe it's the 6th or 7th chapter of Genesis. I didn't look it up. But God is introduced as another another entity or another facet of his life. When it says in, in uh, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, the word there is Elohim. And he's the God of all things. But when he's introduced as El Shaddai, the, the, the God of provision, the God of... Of, uh, fullness of, of sustenance then he's he's labeled as the all-sufficient one and so even when the children of Israel they were in the desert and the, and it was a desert and they were supposed to get through there in about 11 days and it took them 40 well there's no water there's a lot of folks no water nobody was living in the desert and the Lord I mean, it's just amazing if you think about it. It's so improbable that a rock, whatever rock it was, it was big enough for Moses to get on top of it and strike it. A rock poured out this water. And, and ravens, at another time when the uh, prophet Elijah was, uh, the, the Bible says that the Lord said, go to the brook Sharith, and I will provide for you there. And he drank out of the brook, and, and the Bible says the ravens would would every day bring him food. And then one day, one day the the Lord the brook dried up, and you go, okay, the provision of the Lord is over. And the Lord said, get you get you down to Zarephath for a widow that I've raised up, that'll supply you there. He goes down there, and she's she's gathering it up. Just says, me and the boy are gonna. Eat one meal and we're going to die. It looked like the Lord had missed his directions. But he stayed there a long time and the meal never, never ran out. Just over and over we see in the Old Testament. Well, it's just a given. It's a given in the New Testament that everything that was supernatural and spontaneous in the Old to deliver people gloriously is just, our, it's just who we are. We don't go from miracle to miracle. We go from glory to glory. we From faith to faith. And so we don't see these things because they're intended to be a matter of life. That we just speak to the mountain. That we just call things that be not as though they were. That's who we are, but we're passive about it as a church. And one reason is, is in America, we have so much provision. It's so easy, it's so convenient to just... Go get a medical thing instead of believing God or get a financial thing. Go brother, borrow from your brother-in-law or whatever. It's just so convenient. And in other nations where they are desperate for provision, there's no gospel there. So they don't know about what we know, but they have a great need that would spur them to believe God. And so we're both kind of in a conundrum there. We don't want to be without, so we'll believe God, and we don't want them to be without the word. So they can believe God. So uh, I wrote down, what do you need God to be? And so we could go through a list right now of things that are in your life, my life, that need attention. I got an air conditioner facing me this afternoon or tomorrow or whatever. But that's no big deal. There are gazillions of air conditioners in town. And there's lots of money to buy it, and there's lots of people wanting to work. So we're just going to let the Lord connect all this, and I'll be cool, cool, cool tomorrow. Or maybe this evening, whatever. If I'm at your house, I'll be cool for sure. Hallelujah. I know how y'all turn it on. So whatever I need God to be is what he's going to be. I'm in control. It's not that he's got a list that says, okay, if you're going to move in with me, here's house rules. You know, we're, we have no snacks, we have no candy, we have no, you know, these are the house rules. Well, the, 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 the rule is, is God says, I got it all, whatever you need me to be. You need me to be your doctor, your physician, your financier, your peace. You need me to be your revelation. He said, I got it all covered. Just come in and ask and keep on asking. And uh, seek and ye shall find and knock and it'll be open to you. He said, whatever you need. Then he said in Matthew, uh, in Mark 11, he said, What things soever you desire. It's just an open check. It's a checkbook that he's opened up and he said, I've already signed all these checks. You just fill in what you need. I wish we could say we believe that. But we all have a negative experience either in our own life or somebody else's. We go, that's just not, it's not as easy as that. But it is the word. So it is as easy as that. We have complicated it with our unbelief and with our lack of knowledge. So I want, to re- I want to review what we said last week. Two things that need to happen for the kingdom to be successful. Number one is believers that believe. Are you all believers that believe? Of course we are. We believe. We're not just assenting that says, yeah, yeah, assenting that it says that in the Bible. Now we could all assent to that. It does say that. But when we say, and God can do that, we would assent to that. But God would do it for me every time. Now there's where we have a little tricky part, you know, because we're all human and nobody's perfect. And, you know, God's working things out in people and he doesn't, it's just not true. He, he wants to do it no matter how bad we've been. So the second thing we need is a, a world that sees believers believe. The most powerful thing you've ever had in your life was when you have witnessed a believer believing. When you hear the preacher say, or if you read a book about it, or get a testimony out there, but when you and I witness a believer in faith get the job done, it changes everything. Yeah. And just like, just like what was testified this morning, Now all the things that this girl told her were true, but there's just nothing like having somebody come up and just out of the blue say, this is what God's saying, and you know it's true. But that God would send somebody, I mean, it's just life changing, for example. And God wants you and I not only to believe, but he wants to be us, a demonstrator. So we're going to be on the housetop saying, I believe, come see me believe. believe. Come, come to me, and I'll lay hands on you, or I'll speak to the trouble in your life, and it'll change. My uh, brother yesterday was uh, uh, telling me about the mom is got a, a neck thing, and what ha- what he told me was, this is my little brother, so we're 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 not in the same realm in so many ways, but but I'll tell you, this was so powerful. He said, uh, Mom says that back a long time ago, and this would be on Highway 69 South, that you prayed for her. And what it was was after the service, Mother had a, uh, uh, she had an issue that uh, uh, she, a pain would shoot up her neck and it would, it would tighten a muscle and it would automatically, she couldn't stop it, she would draw her, her face would draw to the right. It was a uh, something gravis. Anyway, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. But she had been diagnosed, and they, they said, darling, there's nothing you could do. So when these things came, they would, she, she was, and it was painful. And so she really bravely, after the service, said, son, would you pray for me? And so I, I don't even remember all that that I said or did. But I did pray for her, and the Lord healed her right there in that moment. She never It was a life-changing condition. It was something that she was going to have to live with. She couldn't sleep, she couldn't eat uh, very well. And the main thing is, is not that mother got that done, is that she told my little brother, who then told me yesterday, "Remember when you prayed for Mom? She said you did. And she was real impressed. And he said, maybe you ought to pray for her again. She's got some other issues. So my little brother was telling me that if I would pray for our mother, things would happen. Now, the point, the details are not significant. It's that he heard about a believer that believed in his believing. And I prayed for, for other things that apparently did not go that way. But that one did. And... Uh, Amen. Uh, Pastor Avery told me that he was fixing to come we were going to eat lunch together and he said I was coming your way and my mama called and said my back hurts. I need you to turn around and come back and pray for my back. And so he did. Because she had such confidence that when he prayed for her in the room it would happen. That's powerful. It's, It's not even as powerful as what actually happened. It's powerful that they saw what happened, happen. And they'll take it everywhere. I'm telling you, my mother who, who you know, yeah, she's, she's telling everybody, that's what, that's what my preacher boy did. And this is what God did for me and it happened. And she's totally impressed and it connected us and it's just, you know, it's just been marvelous. So a world that sees believers believe is very powerful. So we need to not just do it in a corner. Well, I I, I don't know if it's going to work, so I don't want to get out there and pray out in front of everybody and it it not work. There's something wrong with that, isn't there? In Romans chapter 8, I want to talk about God is all you need him to be. It says in verse 22, I believe that's where we are, 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together into now and not only they but ourselves also which have had the first fruits of the spirit so that's talking about being born again and the Holy Ghost coming into every believer even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body aren't y'all glad we got a new body coming Hallelujah. And we, we do. We do put up with a lot of mess. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Verse 26 Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Uh, For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Well, now, people that want to discount healing say, well, see there, we're sick. But the word infirmities there is weakness. A matter of fact, let me just read it out of the Passion Bible. It's a little clearer there. Listen to this in verse uh, 22. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters including our physical bodies being transformed, for this is the hope of our salvation. Praise God. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. And in a similar way, verse 26, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. How many of y'all know we got some human frailties that result in weaknesses? For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. If you stopped right there, you could make a doctrine. You know, we don't know what to pray. We just don't know what to ask for. God's in control. But he goes on, he says, But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. So there he's talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. Did you all get up this morning and pray in the Holy Ghost? We came together this morning and we prayed in the Holy Ghost because we don't know exactly what to pray for. Of course, we've got general things. We agree with the word and agree with heaven. But there's things that are sneaking up and around the corner and unseen and unknown that we have to pray out. So he says in verse 27, God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Or that would be our desires. What we want out of life. Yet, he also understands the desires of the spirit because... The Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So then we could get to verse 28. All things to work together for good in the King James. It says, So we are convinced. Are y'all convinced? I'm convinced. Sometimes, you know, doubts might come or or hesitation might come, but the truth is the foundation is set. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. For he knew about us before we were born. And he destined us, he destined us. That's a powerful word. He destined us. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying out the plan. We're praying out the mysteries because He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. This means the Son is the oldest among a vast number of brothers and sisters. The King James says, firstborn among many brethren. So as He is, so are we in this world. Jesus is the firstborn. Among many brethren, we are like him. We are not him. He is Jesus the Savior. But in his life on the earth, we are not less. We are the same. So verse 30 says, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Oh my. The same as Jesus. He's telling us that we're not just an old worm. We're not an old sinner saved by grace. We're the righteousness of God in him just like Jesus. Verse 31, so what does it all mean? Uh, Let's see what 31 says in the King James. It says, what shall we say to these things? Uh, King James says, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? I tell you, that's pretty pow- powerful right there. If, if The rationale. It's, it's a rationale right here. He's given us, think through this. If this is true, then this must be true. That's what he's saying right there. He said, if God be for you, is God for you he's asking. If God is God for you. I've just presented a, an argument that that he, you're co-glorified with him, God is for you. He's 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 working out, he's got a destiny on your life and he's working all things together for good. He's working it out. He's working it out. He's moving on his side to make us who we are on this side. And he said, so if God be for us, if he's determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever win? Who could ever stand against us? Right there, you could just stop and say, Case closed. We got this. If this is true, if this is true, if we could get a revelation of it, we would never think a negative thought about, What am I going to do? Because if God be for us, Well, there's a real devil out there. And you know, we're weak. Sin gets us. I, yeah, all that stuff. The, 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 the curse and the devil and the sin thing. But he said, all that being considered, if God be for you, what difference does it make? There's a plan. It has to be accessed. It has to be uh, entered into. You have to agree with it. But if you can do that, if you can believe that if God be for us, who can be against us? He said, you got this nailed. It will always turn out good. So he's asking us to giddy up here. He he goes on and he says, uh, For God has proved his love, and this is the verse I'm going to, by giving as his greatest treasure the gift of his son. And so here's the title of my message. God is everything you need him to be. Here it is in verse 32. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, He certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Right there, he says, whatever you need me to be, I'm there. I'm waiting on you. I've already got it ready. I looked ahead like he looked ahead to the the ram and uh, in Abram's and Isaac's situation. He looked ahead and he provided himself a sacrifice. He said, I'm the one that uh, won't hold... uh, He he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. King James says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So I say, We have all things. Well, where are they? We have all things. I've got some things in my house and in my office. To tell you the truth, if you said, go pick that up for me. go, go. I, you're in the living room and, and I'm in there with you and you say, go, go get that. I've got it. But I might not know where it is. But I got it. I know I own, I own it. I have it. But it's, it's hidden from me. I might have to search. Well, the same thing. Not everything that's yours and mine is in our hand. But it's certainly there for us to go find, to access, to get a hold of. So we'd say that God's doing a better job than we say that he is. He's better than we thought. We, just, we have no excuse. We have no complaint. Well, sometimes... That's, that's how it always starts. That unbelief always starts. Sometimes, or you never know what God's going to do or he works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. It's, it's trash talking. It's just not true. It's an excuse for somebody to say, God needs an out. He didn't come through for me. And I need to give him an out because he's God. And I just don't understand why he didn't do it. But, but he's God and he could do it. The only thing is, He wrote it down, everything he would do. Well, what did he say? He said, if God wouldn't withhold Jesus, then he wouldn't withhold anything else. So God is all I need him to be. God is all I need him to be. How much? All I need him to be. What do you need him to be? I don't know. Well, tomorrow's a new day. I may need him to be something tomorrow that I didn't need him to be today. But he'll be that tomorrow, just like he was today. This is so powerful. We, we just ride right over it. And we don't integrate it. It's not revelation yet. Revelation is, is there's plenty more where that came from. Plenty more. What if you give all your stuff in the offering? Or what if you run out of this? There's plenty more where that came from. That's where that comes from, is that He will freely, won't he freely give us all things. Plenty more where that came from. He gives seed to the sower. If I sow all my seed today, there's plenty more seed. He will give it to me. I will have plenty in my life. Amen. The Amplified says, He who did not withhold or spare even his own son but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him, I like this, freely and graciously give us all other things. Sometimes we, I fool with Trace, you know, and I'll, I'll hold his hop, I'll hold him, and you know, and then just as he's about to grab him, I'll throw him onto the couch or something, you know, I'll, I'll mess with him because you know, I'm I'm bigger, and I can do it, and it doesn't make it right, but I do it anyway. But we say, well, that's how God is. No, it's not. He he says, come into the store. You see anything you need or want, just pick it out. The Lord Jesus already paid it out in advance. It's just so much better than what we can even get our head around. The message says, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, Embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst, the cross, by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is, of course he would. The cotton patch. You know, I, I've got that hidden in some file in, deep in my computer, but I went and found it. Uh, if he didn't hold back his own son but put him in the game for us all, Won't he even more gladly, in addition to his son, equip us with all we need to win the game? So we're winners. You know, uh, I have two sons and some grandkids, just like y'all do. And no matter what they do, I I told uh, Carter the other day, I said, One thing about it, y'all may be mad at Paul. Didn't say they were. I just said, but if you ever get mad at Paul, one thing you can't shake off is you've got my name. You're, except for the girls, they can't escape. But you boys, you can't escape. You're a Billings forever. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's my one thing over all of them. They got my name. Hallelujah. Well, we've got his name. We've got his name. And so the Lord will always be for us. Because he's in us and we've got his name. He says, you're a son. Well, why wouldn't I? Why, what else have I got to do with all this stuff? Why else did I create all these things? What do you think I'm doing up here if I'm not working out your life? your life, Working all things together for good that love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, why wouldn't I? Pray, pray this mystery out and everything you unfold, everything you reveal by praying it out. That's what we're going to have it's so generous and if this was one scripture that you could say yeah that's out of context and everything but I mean we can just go through all of them I'd like to actually Uh, the uh, NEB the new English Bible says and with this gift how can he fail to lavish upon us all that he has to give so we may not believe but we can't complain that he's not what he says he is he, he said, I'll make it good. Turn with me to Second Corinthians, where you just were a few minutes before we started. Second Corinthians chapter 8. We look at this all the time, but we're, gonna, we're going to make a case. That is our job when we come together, is to go over the word that makes a case for God's goodness. That Jesus is everything and more than we ever thought he could be or would be. He excels. He's never come up short. The word says that, that uh, we've never been ashamed in him. We've never been ashamed. We, we may have took on shame, but he never gave us cause for it. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, here's a covenant for finances, for supply, for funding. This is the covenant scripture. This is the exchange scripture where Jesus was on the cross and exchanged his sinlessness for our sin, his his righteousness for our iniquity. And it says in verse 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, here it is, the exchange, Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. There was an exchange. That ye through his poverty might be rich. 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 What kind of rich? His rich. His rich. Ah, well, the guy down the street, the owner of the company, the, 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 the millionaire. No, Jesus rich. Slip over one page and go to chapter 9 and look in verse 8. We just looked at this. Uh, verse 7 and a half says, God loveth a cheerful giver. So that connects us to what the first eight's going to be. And God is able to make all grace. So it just, we just got through reading about, the, you know, the grace of the Lord Jesus. And here he says, and God is able to make all grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus. The one that, will he not with him freely give you all things. That we just read in Romans. God is able to make all grace abound towards you that ye. What, what does the grace look like? God is able to make all grace abound toward me. What does that look like? Well, he explains it. He says that ye always having, the grace of God looks like this, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound, may abound, the word is actually in the Greek is called superabound, may abound to every good work. Everything. Everything you put your hand to, everything that you're called to, he said, I've already paid for it. I've already booked the flights. I've already got you a great hotel room. I got the cab to pick you up. I got, uh, I got dinner is already paid for. What, what is it that you are on that, that you need something else? I got you a new tie for your coat and a new purse for your dress. What, whatever you need, God said, I got that covered. All sufficiency in all things abounding, superabounding to every, every, every single good work. We're almost bored with the good news. We're like yada yada yada, you know, like okay, he's so good, he's so great, he's so wonderful. What else are you can talk about? Well, you have to complain. You have to say it didn't. Sometimes God this, and sometimes God that. Second, Pe- first Peter, excuse me, first Peter two twenty four. You know where we're going there, but he's he's everything you need him to be. He's all your funding. All sufficiency in all things. He's all your funding, all my funding, all the things I need. If I will ask him, if I will humble myself and believe the word and get on his side, he said, I got that covered. You can live in the system. You can live outside the system. So we're all endeavoring to live in the system, aren't we? He says in first Peter two Let's read it together, first person ready read who his own self bear my sins in his own body on the tree that I being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes I was healed so what do you need what do you need he bore all our sins in his body on the tree that we being dead to sin no no saying I'm just an old sinner saved by grace no he said you're dead to sin you're not a sinner. Should live under righteousness. Live under righteousness would be how Jesus lives. He lives healed. He lives funded. He lives above. By whose stripes. That's the part that we saw in Second Corinthians 8. When he says all sufficiency in all things. What does that look like? You know the grace of the Lord Jesus. Abound to every good work. That's what it looks like. Turn with me to Ephesians. We're we're not going to stay here long this morning, but it's good to talk about the kingdom and how good God is. It's good. You know the angels that go around the Lord day and night, night and day. For the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. The Lord likes that, to talk about His goodness. For the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. You go, Lord, do you, do you got a second verse to that? You got a, you know, have you got another song that we could sing? For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's all they say all the time. And they have, and they are, and they will be for eternity, for the Lord is good. So when we say all sufficiency in all things, that we can abound every good work, when we say by his stripes ye were healed, we're actually just saying, for the Lord is good. Will he not freely give you all things? For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Covers everything. Takes care of all of it. Well, why don't I have it all? It's on our side. Assenting is not believing. But it's on the road, and we can make the click. I believe we have to have a thing where Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. We have flesh and blood revealing it to you. We're talking about it this morning. You're reading it with your eyes and going into the knowledge part of your brain and reinforcing that. The revelation's down here. The mind of Christ is down here. And when we see it, then we cannot be denied. Once you see it, like you see the, you see the new birth, you know it, put a gun to your head. Deny him. Can't do it. Quit tithing. You'll have better finances. Can't do it once we have revelation well why don't we have revelation because we've had a history of people saying it's not so so we had to get to neutral ground from people saying God doesn't always do what you think he's going to do we had to get to a neutral ground is he's not against me and now we're going into the ground that says he's for me will he not freely give me all things the answer is of course says in Ephesians chapter 3 talking about the love of God in verse 14 it says for this cause I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named why why would you bow your knee that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that must be powerful That must be powerful, that he would do that for us. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. The words there are the words settled and stable. May be able to comprehend. Here's the revelation. Flesh and blood is not... Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. Right here, he says it another way. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know and to know. It's not that knowing in your head. It's that knowing in your heart. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Passes knowledge is not knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Then, then verse twenty kicks in. It's not just an everybody every day all the time. It's when you have endeavored to give yourself to this revelation of that He loves me. Oh Lord, He loves me. The reason that's hard for anybody to say is because we know why He shouldn't love us. Right. We we know ourselves, we know our mess ups. But without revelation, we allow that sin, that guilt, that shame to stay instead of evicting it, according to 1 John 1.9. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that when we say, Oh Lord, I'm back again for the same thing that you forgave me of last week and, and not realizing, not having a revelation that he does not connect on that prayer because he cleansed it from his life cast it in His forgiveness. so we have to too so you know it's the 48th time you've been with him about the same sin and you're saying Lord I got a confession to make (laughs) and this is going to surprise you (laughs) (laughs) you'll be amazed that I could pull this one but I sure did but I'm here to get rid of it Uh, first I've heard of it isn't that good so uh, then we get verse 20, now unto him, because we know that he loves us. Now he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think, according to the power that works in me. Not, not, not something siren, you never know what God's going to do, God's just going to take care of it. The passion says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this well that means there's we could have doubt couldn't we we could say I don't think he would I'm not as good as I th- want to be he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream and exceeds your wildest imagination he will outdo them all this is just amazing this, you could just sit here and just talk about this over and over and never get to the end of the goodness of God. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So what do we need God to be? If, he's gonna, if he'll be anything we need him to be, we could go to Philippians 4.19 and say, My God shall supply all your need. The word there is also desire. It includes that. What things soever you desire when you pray. Believe you receive them, he shall ha- you shall have them. Uh, we could go to... Uh, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, speak to the mountain. So what? that's talking about troubles. That's talking about something that's in the way. He said, when troubles get in the way, just speak to the troubles. I've already handled the mountain. But we need, a, we need you to co-sign it. We need another signature, so to speak, on that. Do you remember in uh, uh, John 6, 9, where the little boy or where where the disciples who was it that said that he he come up and he said uh, we need to eat and should we go to town and the lord said you feed them and so he says well what do you have and he said we have here a little boy that's got uh, what do he had two fish and five loaves now you think think about who who's bringing this in this this wasn't arby's catering or or something this was a a little boy and think about fish that look like sardines a little boy and and think about biscuits I've been meditating this how they looked out there and there's 5,000 men and they say we got two sardines and five biscuits I mean what could be more impossible It's not even like, okay, we got 12 trucks, but, you know, it takes a truck to get 500. We don't have enough. Two two fish, two sardines, and five biscuits. And uh, so what they said are, what are these among so many? And that's exactly how we think. We look at what we have and say, This this isn't going to fly. This isn't going to happen. So we're going to have to think about it. We're going to have to spend some meditation. If we want the word to work, there's nothing else for God to say. I said there's nothing else for God to say. He has said it in such flourishing and extreme and exorbitant words that the English language is actually depleted to express what the Greek says about his willingness to get so involved in such an, an amazing posture that we, we could not even, we can't even go there. So we have to go to the fish and the loaves or the sardines and the biscuits as it were uh, and we got to seek him until we get flesh and blood not reveal this unto you. It's not passive. If you just spend a few minutes with your need how will he not with, them, with him freely give you all things? If you just go there, if you just, like we do a green light that's just a moment or a billboard and we're, we're going by it. And did you read that billboard? No, I just, it, we, that's, we got to do more than that with the kingdom. Help me if you can. You got, we got to do more than just pass a billboard or the speed limit sign or where there's hamburgers on sale. We're going to have to stop and meditate and get this in us until it's in us. That's how the new birth came. That's how the Holy Ghost came. When Before you were filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm conjecturing, but it was certainly a lot of people. It took a lot of searching before we wanted to cross that line of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking other tongues. That, that was not easy. Mostly, for me, it was because there was so much doctrine against it. And it's just like, so I had to study it out. I think we would have more going on in our lives if we stopped and uh, made our case before the Lord and actually went into the courtroom with the Lord Jesus and made our case And that means that we would actually bring these verses up to him and say, you said. he, He knows what he said, but when we say you said, we're saying, I know what you said. And we're making a case where we can't go back. Once we say, you said all sufficiency in all things, and I'm facing this, and I've got this on the horizon, and this is what they've told me, but you said all sufficiency in all things that I might abound to every good work. So I am parking my life here. I am contending for what I need based on that promise. What things you desire. I am praying right now because the things I need, I desire, I need, you supply all them. I'm going to make my case. And if we would ever stop. Now I'm not saying you don't or that I don't. But I'll tell you the things that I've had success with are the things that I got desperate for. I had two sardines and five biscuits. And there was 5,000 hungry men out there, so to speak, in my life. It was overwhelming. And you, you, you look for an alternative. What else could we do? Can did, would your brother-in-law have that much money? Or does these herbs I heard on TV, they say they'll take care of that little problem. When you get through all of that and you say, we're just going to stop here, and we're going to make this work in the Word. I'm going to process the Word, and I'm going to turn the biscuits and the sardines into provision. The keys are here. For us not to be living gloriously, it's all on us. Because He said, how will He not with Him freely give you all things? All things. You can find exceptions, and you can dig up scriptures, and whatever. You can make a case. But you're going to be at the same place when you get through. So, Lord, we thank you. It's reward time. It's reward time. These are the last of the last days. We don't want to go to heaven without doing what you said we should do and what you said we could do. I don't want, I don't want to take the easy way out and then get up there and, and look back and see how easy it was to believe and how much you had for us that would believe. It's just, it would be, it would be disgusting, sort of, to, to have that show within our reach and us just say, I don't have time for that. So, Lord, I, I say, River Church, we'll see by the Spirit. We will, we will see beyond flesh and blood. And we will let you, Father, reveal it unto us until we have it, till I have it. Till I know that I know healing is right for me, for everyone. Until I know that provision is sure for me and for everyone. I will not come off of it. And I ask you, Lord, to convict me of sin. It would be sin if we unbelieved, if we disbelieved. So thank you for helping River Church, Lord. We've got, we got two sardines and we got five biscuits and we got all of Tuscaloosa. And now we've got Alabama on our plate. And, Lord, we thank you. You already fixed it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to preach and to hear about...